Hi, I'm Brandon Poe, founder of Poe Group Advisors. We are the premier accounting practice intermediary firm in the industry. You're listening to the Accountant's Flight Plan podcast, where we talk about stuff in the accounting world. I am thrilled to introduce you to Jason Dean today. Um, Jason has spent the last 12 years in industry before he moved into public practice by purchasing a practice uh, from us through Pro Group Advisors. He has uh, served either as a financial controller or higher in multiple industries, including software, transportation, helicopters, corporate retail and construction. Uh, he primarily worked in larger companies, which were either private conglomerates or publicly traded companies. Uh, welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, um, love to get into just a little about your personal, um, just about your background. And so would you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself and just how you chose accounting? Uh, sure. Yeah. I... So I guess my story is that I grew up in a family of accountants. Uh, my dad was a CGA. My mom was a bit of a tax specialist. So uh, tax discussions were kind of part of the regular, regular dinner talk. Um, for example, you know, we would uh, have dinner um, as an eight-year-old. Uh, my dad would mention a new client that was brought on, mention that uh, he was frustrated that CCA was taking on the rental property turned to me and my response would be, oh, who does that? So uh, personal taxes is something that kind of ran, um, you know, throughout when I was growing up. And uh, my parents ran uh, their business actually from home. Uh, So they were were independent uh, sole practitioners. Um, And during the uh, tax season, I actually saw uh, the long hours that uh, they put in. And, you know, their practice was mainly... um, personal tax focused. So actually from that point on, I kind of decided that I didn't want to be an accountant. Um, <laughs> funny thing is, yeah, <laughs> so I guess that's uh, not the uh, not the ending that you thought, but, uh, but actually, um, you know, what, what I did know was that I actually wanted to be in business. And, you know, my thoughts on that was I always wanted to, uh, you know, figure out what, what business was all about. And I thought that accounting would be a good way to sort of uh, give me that introduction into the lifeblood of a company, Um, you know, because you are dealing with the ins and the outs. So I subsequently uh, went into accounting at first, but I jumped into industry. um, And after a number of years, I found out that, you know what, actually this accounting thing isn't so bad. And so kind of went full circle. Now I'm back in, uh, I guess, my dad's shoes in a a sense. Yeah, in a sense. uh, I do think you've at this point, we'll talk about your practice, but you've got kind of built a little bit different model. Um, mm-hmm. But um, that's interesting that you do pick up from your parents. I have three children mm-hmm. and they, you know, what they pick up, it's, um, they don't even realize what they're, you know, what they're picking up along the way. And I'm sure that would be the same for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you you purchased your practice not too long ago, March of 2018. So you've uh, gone over a year now, and you were pretty mm-hmm. young. I remember thinking, you know, you're a pretty young guy buying you know, a smallish practice. Um, how mm-hmm. how old were you when you purchased? 
about a month shy of turning 35, actually. It was March of 2018. Yeah. And... What made you want to buy a practice? I mean, how did you get the idea like, hey, I'm going to ditch this corporate accounting gig and buy my own firm? Uh, well, you know, I guess anybody who's kind of going out on their own, they're kind of uh, thinking, you know, do I do I sort of grow my own practice from from scratch or do I do I buy my, or do I buy my own? And uh, uh, my thoughts on buying a practice was that it's not that you'll end up um, financially in a better spot uh, with all said and done, but I actually thought that buying a practice just saves you time. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I thought that, you know, your net profit, whether you go A or B, is going to be the same. Yeah. So just you thought it could expedite the process, make it make it happen a little quicker. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. You had, you've had very, and I'll just say to our audience, you know, Jason's results are abnormal. <laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> you've had really strong revenue growth since you've owned the practice. What's been your revenue mm -hmm. growth percentage? Uh, interesting question. I, you know, um, it's been in short uh, from the time I purchased till now about 15 months, uh, about four and a half times or 450%. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, and w where's your practice in terms of revenue, staff, and profitability, um, and where it was when you purchased? Yeah, so when I had purchased, there was about, uh, you know, say one and a half staff. There was a one full-time person and one part-timer. Um, since then, uh, I've changed that part-timer into full-time uh, and, and loaded on a couple more. So I, I'm actually at, I guess, four and a half staff uh, with, the, with the likelihood that I'll be um, hiring a senior accountant uh, to add to that in the next coming months. Nice. Um, yeah. So one thing interesting about, about your approach is you bought a practice knowing that you were going to make some pretty big changes. And I, you know, when you and I had that conversation, I guess a couple months ago about how things were going, I thought, wow, this is really bold. And you, you know, you, I'd love to know, just share your thought process on what, you know, when you went in, what you knew you were going to change things. Um, how did you, how did you arrive at that sort of approach? Ah, well, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I guess some of the key takeaways was that uh, although I grew up in a family of uh, tax accountants in a sense, um, you know, the thing that kind of made me a little different was that uh, my accounting foundation uh, to learning was uh, more an industry. Um, you know, so a lot of the traditional firm or accounting firm models uh, that, that probably go hand in hand with with when people, you know, grow up in that kind of environment weren't sort of second nature to myself. Um, so I entered the um, accounting firm industry, if you will, uh, with sort of no idea in some sense how a traditional firm uh, did it simply because I, I, you know, that was just not something I knew. Um, you know, part, and, and when you talk about, you know, big, bold changes, um, 
I guess I, I would have to tie, kind of take that back to uh, what I saw when I was looking at the original firm and and my thoughts. And um, when I looked at it, you know, a quick review of the books, um, you know, and the prospectus provided to me indicated that uh, the billing rates were actually very low. Um, you know, in the area that, that I'm in, um, I'd almost consider it about uh, roughly uh, about a third of what the market marketplace was. So a huge, huge discount. Um, you know, an initial conversation with the previous owner um, as I was kind of doing my sort of due diligence also indicated to me that, um, you know, parts of his model didn't really jive with uh, what my ideals were. Um, and hence, uh, you know, keeping things status quo was not an option because I could see that, um, you know, just things weren't going to work out if, if, if that was the case. Um, part of my background, as I mentioned, was in industry, and, and one, of, uh, one of the companies that I had uh, sort of built my foundation learning was a company that grew largely from uh, M&A activity. And what they did was that they would buy out distressed companies. And so it was part of my job to kind of look at and review the company that was purchased and sort of figure out a way to integrate uh, their accounting and their system into the company I'd worked for. And so, you know, I kind of picked up a number of things that were commonplace. And one of the common traits was that uh, the bankrupted companies uh, always had things in a mess. Uh, the IT systems were barely functional. The accounting was horrendous and simply just not accurate. And uh, so I, I made all of these assumptions that, you know, for the worst case scenario, that this is kind of uh, what I may be uh, walking into when I uh, purchased this practice. Um, so my, my mindset was uh, the goal I set for myself was that in order to make this purchase work for me, um, it meant doing a number of things. And that meant uh, moving from sort of an hourly billing model to a fixed price model in addition to uh, increasing billing rates and uh, in general landing a significant number of uh, clients uh, above and beyond what I had purchased. Um, in terms of client engagement, I thought that everything had to change. I spent a great deal of the, the money that came in um, or the profits on implementing new IT systems both on hardware and software uh, levels and putting up new processes, training staff and you know, just being more open and communicative uh, with the clients, uh, both uh, past and present. Yeah. Well, that's um, yeah. Okay. So it makes a little more sense that you had you had that experience with turnarounds, and that's really mm -hmm. interesting that you sort of took that turnaround mentality toward your purchase and said, okay, these things have to change. And I think what what really makes it bold, from my experience, is most buyers are sort of timid about changing a practice. They want to buy it and leave it exactly the same, which sometimes is a great idea if it's running very well. Um, mm -hmm. But to take on things that aren't working very well and making changes, I mean, you're kind of, mm -hmm. the, um, you know, you're kind of a great example of someone who says, okay, this isn't working. You can implement change when things aren't working. So, um, Anyway, it was very bold, and um, and a lot of your growth. You know, my next question is about your price increases. Uh, much of your growth was through price increases, and can you tell us more about how you approach those? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so, so definitely price increases was a significant factor in that sort of four and a half times or 450% I referenced earlier. Um, so as I mentioned, the previous firm owner had priced his services about a third of what the marketplace was. Now, you know, regardless of how good or bad, you know, your skill set uh, you, you are, um, you know, when you're looking at a third of the market rate, it's apparent that in some way, shape or form, there are some shortcuts that are, that are being um, taken in order to make ends meet. Um, you know, that can kind of come in a, a variety of things, whether it's uh, shortening up uh, client conversations or, or uh, you know, or just, you know, not doing as much uh, review or due diligence checks. So my thought process on here was uh, I would meet all of the previous owner's clients um, that I'd be doing the, the year-end and tax returns for, and I would do so at the same rate. And, um, you know, unlike, unlike that one-third or the effect of that one-third billing rate, I would not kind of take any of those, those shortcuts and I'd kind of um, take it upon myself to, to show the, the difference between, you know, what uh, a sort of full proper job is in a sense and, and what, you know, the clients were receiving uh, previously. Um, and then after doing that, then I would, uh, after contrasting the differences, raise the prices. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of at, I've been at that point now um, for the last four to four or so months, uh, raising prices where I've raised uh, clients' prices on an average of three to seven, um, and in some cases, even 12 times their billing rate. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the thing that was surprising to me was uh, I had done this, sort of kind of closed my eyes, hoped that it would work out, and I actually had uh, a handful of clients leave, uh, I'd say less than 5%. You know, I can count them, count the number of clients that left just on my fingers um, with one hand, so. Yeah, it just goes to kind yeah. of the point we always say is that clients are not price sensitive, they're service sensitive. And so, yes. you know, to summarize what you just said, you basically went to people and said, look, quality's going up and I'm going to honor mm -hmm. the previous pricing, but I want you to see that the quality's going up and then in the future, the prices are going up. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. And it worked. It worked really well for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it did. No, that's really amazing. And, um, you know, we go back and forth on pricing in terms of just advising our clients on, you know, that want to run more profitable practices. Pricing just has mm -hmm. a huge ripple effect through your entire practice. And getting that mm -hmm. right really makes a positive difference. Um, Absolutely. Well, I'd like to uh, hit you with a few of our sort of rapid fire questions. Um, are you up for uh, Are you up for that part of the interview here? Sure, think okay. you're on the spot, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you consider to be the most serious threat facing the profession right now, and how do you think it should be addressed by individual firms? Huh. Uh, I think I guess if you define um, threat, meaning the reduction or the shrinkage of like of the profession in general, um, I guess I'd say that the biggest threat is actually 
technological advances, including um, you know all the development in uh, artificial intelligence or AI. Um, you know, personally, um, I know that not everyone's going to agree with me, but I think it's actually something that should be embraced. You know, important thing to note is that, um, as you just mentioned, actually in your your last uh, uh, in the last thing you said there is that you know people pay for people pay for service and value, and so one thing that I always tell all of my staff is that you know while they're here, they're not getting paid to kind of key in information or um, you know or do something that's, that's sort of very rote in nature, but rather they're getting paid to think. And I believe that it's this notion that you know you can't get technology and you can't get AI to replace. Um, you know, so firms are looking to survive and 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 weed through all the technological changes. I think that there needs to be a little bit of reinvention um, of the firm. Um, and I don't think that you know if you kind of look at things in that way, the industry isn't really under threat. It just means it just means that things need to change. Yeah. No, that's um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think um, people still want people and they still want insights and that's not going to change. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, with every threat, there usually comes along with it a lot of opportunities. What do you consider to be the opportunities we face as a profession? I think, you know, there's going to be a bit of bit of like a job creation in some sense things that you know we didn't think think of in the past um, you know kind of try to to give a good good analogy or, or a good example um, you know if you look back 50 75 years ago when computers came out you know that old style of recording journal entries and those big large uh, green paper uh, physical journals that that went away and you know this kind of opened up, um, or opened up a, a sort of new kind of accountant, in my opinion. You know, accounts with a little bit more of a technological flair. Uh, I mean, you know, you have accountants nowadays that specialize in, say, systems implementation. I mean, when you were all paper-based, that that just didn't exist um, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I actually do still have some of that old paper, by the way. <laughs> oh no <laughs> well i don't actually use it like for anything other than just like hatch you know like ideas or writing a list or something but i do have some of that um fair enough yeah <laughs> um what do you actually do to share knowledge experience and insights with your clients so i've I customize uh, a lot of my a lot of my discussions with my clients. You know, I'll, I'll talk about I'll kind of talk about my background and and sort of try to figure out what what their interests are and what they you know what they uh, what they like to talk about. You know, some some clients I I see um, love to talk about real estate. That's a personal passion of mine, and so that's you know something that I I kind of share uh, at least on a proper personal sense of you know how real estate investments go and um, and yeah I kind of just sort of customize every sort of experience with everyone yeah oh, that's good um, what's one thing that's really exciting you right now uh, 
honestly, I might sound a little dorky, but uh, the technology that's coming out, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, things are things are definitely changing. I look at you know programs like QuickBooks Online and Zero, and I notice how much uh, apps, you know, you just you just go into the menus and you see how many apps can connect to that, and I think that's, you know, it's 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 actually really cool. It's um, you know, you're getting a lot of software that can talk to each other, and it it opens up the way of, you know, sort of doing things in a little different different way that kind of works for you. And you know, I just think that there's um, this opens up a lot of possibilities that just weren't available um, even 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received? Ooh. Um, I think that uh, well, the best the best piece of advice that I got that relates to at least uh, you know business in this context was uh, was what my dad had told me you know uh, just live within your means and um, you know I think about this I could probably relate this to our example but um, you know he mentioned to me that uh, financially you should always live within your means and it's only when you go beyond that when you know people start to get into trouble. So to kind of relate this to what we're discussing, um, you know, working in an industry for a number of years, um, I was able to sort of build up my own savings and my own nest egg, and which, you know, in the future, uh, you know, up to last year, allowed me to afford to buy a practice, you know, and so, you know, in some sense, um, in some sense, you know, I, I, I it, had I gone out earlier on my own. Um, you know that nest egg wouldn't have been available, and the smart thing to do would have been just to, to start organically um, and start from scratch. So you know I think that's a, a kind of a, a way to sort of live within your means in the business context. Yeah, good advice. Not always hard to follow, but good advice, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, if you were to recommend one book to our listeners, what would that be? Uh, to be honest, uh, the book, The Accountant's Flight Plan, uh, that was sent to me is actually, actually pretty spot on. It had a lot of good, uh, information and, uh, was kind of in line with a lot of my thinking and, uh, definitely helped out with, uh, the progress, uh, of my business. And if any, if anything, um, helped reinforce that, uh, at least my ideas were, were on point. So, um, great stuff in there. Um, definitely definitely up-and-coming uh, information that will strengthen any practice. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> no problem. And for our listeners who aren't aware, Accountant's Flight Plan is um, written by me. So um, thank you for plugging my book, Jason. <laughs> um, I'll like to say uh, I was not paid to, uh, to give <laughs> that plug. So, <laughs> But it is actually a pretty solid piece of uh, literature. Yeah. Well, thank you. I worked really hard on it, and I... I'm glad it helped you, and I think it has helped a lot of people um, run better practices. Um, Good. So what's, last question, um, what's one bit of advice, guidance, or life lesson you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, something I always tell tell everyone, um, but I have to kind of give a, a little bit of a caution, you know, um, try not to get too wild with this one. <laughs> Uh, and try to keep it within context, but uh, I always say, 
you know, if you're doing something, if you're doing what everyone else is doing, then you're probably doing it wrong. Well, so good stuff. You know, just let that one sort of percolate. Yeah, think about it. And um, if people were to want to contact you or follow you, what's the best channel for them to um, get in touch with you? Uh, email is probably the best way. Uh, I'm usually pretty uh, jammed up during the day with phone calls and meetings, so um, yeah. Okay, and we'll, you know, when we um, post this, we'll post it in a blog format, and you can go to our blog and just search. Um, you can just search Jason's name, um, Jason Ding, D-I-N-G, and I'll have all of those links for our listeners um, along with your uh, website. Um, okay, great. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time and your insights today and sharing. Really, it's an incredible story. It's, um, you know, to grow that much that quickly and basically turn around a firm is really impressive. And um, you have a lot to be proud of. And um, I'm sure our listeners will get great value from this. So thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate having the chance to kind of share my experiences over the last year. Cool. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Accountant's Flight Plan Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please follow us so that you can get updates when new episodes are released and share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can also follow Poe Group Advisors on social media. Please visit our website for more information at pogroupadvisors.com.